welcome to the Edinburgh Fringe Archive. Today, a show on trying to live an ethical lifestyle. Not in 2022, but in 2006. Some things are always important. Yes, good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Welcome once more from Edinburgh. Well, actually in Leith, right down by the shoreline in what is the arts capital of the world. It definitely is during August, but we do try and keep it up for the rest of the year. At least that's what we're doing here on the Edinburgh Fringe Archive. Interviews from nearly two decades of coverage of the Edinburgh Festival Fringe are sitting in the archive. And every week I just like to bring one of those out, have a little listen again cringe a little bit at how I sounded many, many, many years ago. The Ewan Spence of 2006 is quite clearly not the Ewan Spence of 2022, but you know what? That's fine. We're looking back. Things have changed. Things stay the same. The important topics remain. So, Jeff Innocent, I think it's the best person uh, to typify that. An artist at heart with a long and varied list of interests, Jeff went on a stand-up comedy course in 1996, aged 41. Uh, that course was led by the alternative comedy legend Tony Allen, and he has not stopped since. Though Jeff hasn't. Uh, Tony sort of just quietly retired a couple of years after that. But anyway, Jeff has carved out a place in the UK stand-up scene like no other, still going strong to this day, as well as working as a writer and an actor. Uh, he's also doing comedy courses, a uh, little bit of DJing going on there as well. But back in 2006, he brought his show Eco Warrior to the Edinburgh Fringe. Environmentalism, which remains a strong part of his ethos to this day, was that show. And was it possible to live an ethical lifestyle? What did it take? What were the problems? What were the issues? And it's, it's interesting to be reminded of how that lens looked in 2006, some 16 years ago. So let's go back to the stand. Let's go back to Jeff Innocent's show in 2006 and find out why he was an eco-warrior. And as always, the show's run is finished. Don't try and get tickets. Back at the Edinburgh Fringe podcast now. And uh, the last time I had a comedian this tall coming at the studio, the door fell off its hinges. So I'm a bit worried now. Joining me, Jeff Innocent. Yes, greetings. Yes, good, good morning, Jeff. Good morning. Good morning, yeah, yes. We're, we're recording here in the morning. It's very early. It's not often comedians get to say good morning, I'll tell you there. <laughs> well, not unless you're doing one of those just after midnight. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah, yeah. Good yeah. morning, everyone, it's after This midnight. is actually the time we usually go to bed. So what time's your show on this year? Let's get uh, the important It's an one. afternoon show, which is uh, rather unusual for me because it means I've had to adjust my body clock to be funny in the afternoon rather than the evening. So I'm going to bed at a very early hour. I'm not drinking... Uh, I'm eating good. It's like I'm in training for some kind of sport rather than uh, an art form. Well, you know, in a sense, the fringe is a bit of a marathon, isn't it? It certainly is. It <laughs> certainly is. It's easy to uh, it's easy to get ahead of yourself in the first week and think that you've cracked it. A couple of good reviews, a few full houses, but there's a hell of a long way to go. So I'm I'm, 
The race is not for the swift, but who can endure it, I believe, is the quote. Indeed, yes. And that which we cannot endure makes us stronger. Hey, I like that. Yeah. So uh, you're at stand two. What time? I'm at the stand two at 4.20 in the afternoon. The stand two is a, a kind of uh, an annex, I believe, of the stand itself, which only opens during the festival. And it's a floor above the stand or two floors above yeah. next to a hairdresser's. Which um, is entirely inappropriate for yourself. Okay, yes, of course. <laughs> Although I could grow my hair if I wanted to. I'm just showing off. Yeah, you are growing your hair. It's just one of the most chin. impressive beards ever. Yeah, you like this beard? I do, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking if there was any stand-up in Lord of the Rings, it would have been you well, hiding at the back it, of the pub somewhere. It's really funny because the beard is a, a new departure for me. And um, because the show is about me attempting to live an ethical lifestyle, um, in response to uh, global warming and all the extreme weather conditions and my, my kind of neurosis about that, I thought I would uh, try to adopt an ethical look. And uh, I don't even know what an ethical look is, but I think in most people's minds it, it, it means a beard, quite honestly. So I thought I must have a beard, but it's not an ordinary, but it's just on the chin beard. Uh, uh, slightly Kung Fu-ish, slightly uh, shamanesque, Buddhist. It's, I think it Moses even. <laughs> okay, now the stand too is is a, quite a small theatre. You're saying it's, yes, a, it's it is, a fifty yeah. seater, and when you look at that, and then you look at somewhere like the assembly rooms that's taken over the uh, church, of, the, the the modern church of Scotland, with with something like eight hundred and twenty seats. It's taken over from religion, in fact. Yeah, pretty, <laughs> pretty much so. Yeah, and you know, and, you know, the roof sure. isn't falling down, which sure. is good. Why do you prefer the smaller well, one? Well, um, I play to. Uh, in large rooms every weekend in my normal duty as a stand-up comedian on the circuit. Hundreds of people, if you, you play the comedy store, for example, it's, it's 500 people. Lots of jonglers have four to 500 people. Um, but it's, uh, my show is very much a fringe show, uh, and I wanted it to appeal to a, you know, a kind of art centre theatre audience rather than a late-night stand-up audience. So that's why I chose The Stand uh, and for it to be a 50-seater. I thought that would be more appropriate. And that time in the afternoon as well. I, I want a less boisterous audience. Um, I'm trying to get, you know, academics, intellectuals. So uh, it's a case of it, it's less stand-up than more sort of one-man theatre or monologue? Yeah, it's really, it's funny. <laughs> What's really funny is that I've been having lots of different types of people in the audience coming with completely different expectations of what the show's about. And I don't know if the publicity is confusing. It looks very clear to me. A stand-up comedian who's been attempting to live ethically and here's the story um, of the last few months. But uh, I've had variously... Some new age travellers, which which makes sense because the show's called Eco Warrior. Um, I've had some CND pensioners. I've had some people coming thinking it was a serious talk about the environment. Uh, I've had people coming thinking it was a play, and and I've had some people that have seen me at Jonglos thinking it's late night stand up. So what I'm now attempting to do is to juggle conceptually all of those things in one hour. So the show actually will be. Largely stand-up, serious talk about the environment, maybe some acting, uh, and and just some juggling and naked dancing if need be, just to jazz it up a bit if they're not happy with that uh, array of, of styles. And I know. suppose with a small venue, it, it must be very quick for you just to, to sort of well, work out who you're performing well, to. Well, it's, 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 a, tran it's a, a transition for me because my, if you like, my stage persona is, is kind of larger than life and quite... A kind of swaggering, uh, a swaggering kind of geezer, if you like. 
Uh, and it's, it's interesting seeing how that works with a very small audience and learning how to adjust that slightly because uh, small audiences can, can be rather intimidated by, um, by that. So I'm having to, uh, to charm them and, and chat them up before I uh, fully bloom, as it were. Okay, and of course, being six foot four, it's quite hard to put them at ease straight away. Well, it is, yeah, in a small room. But I, I, think, I, <laughs> I, think, I, I think the problem is if you're a big person on stage uh, and you're, you're, as a comedian, you're quite uh, high status, there is a problem about vulnerability. But in a sense, the whole show is, is about my vulnerability and my struggle to, to do the right thing and live a kind of a certain lifestyle. So actually, it's, it's pure vulnerability. But I think uh, once people get over the... The, the physical presence at the beginning, which obviously is to my advantage when I'm doing late night comedy shows to drunken audiences, but uh, in an afternoon theatre space. So um, I think I probably spend the, the first five minutes um, putting them at their ease and saying, look, no one's going to get hurt. It's not a building society hold up. It's an afternoon stand up stroke theatre experience. So what sort of things have you changed in your life in, in the last couple of months? Because you have been doing this for a year. I this certainly is, have, yeah. Uh, well, I, uh, nothing drastic. And I, I don't want anyone um, coming to the show thinking that I've, I've, I've been living with some endangered mountain gorillas or walked to Edinburgh with African war orphans. I've merely done what I think most ordinary people attempt to do uh, and that is to just buy organic food recycle use a bicycle uh, buy a fair trade be be energy conscious just uh, the kind of things that um, I, I can see more people uh, turning towards in everyday life and has it been would you say it's been a success or is that the punchline well you know I you see the <laughs> I think the reason I'm doing it is because I I would like to think that I'm making a difference to the world by my own individual actions. And so in that sense, I don't know if it is a success. Possibly, I doubt if I'm making a difference to the world through my actions. Uh, and I do discuss this in the show, but I've certainly made a difference to my life and the people around me. Would you say your life is now better because you're taking these choices? Well, I, I, um, yeah, in, in some ways it's better. I'm healthier uh, and I'm more kind of conscious of the environment. Uh, but at the same time, I've become a little bit of a fascist to everybody else. Uh, and it's very expensive and time-consuming to, li- to live that kind of lifestyle. So these are some of the, the problems with it. And there's lots of contradictions and absurdities, which, as a comedian, I've highlighted and discovered in a way that other people may not see. Okay, now, you've been doing stand-up for, for a long time. Certainly. And you're... Don't hit me or anything, but you're not a spring chicken on the no, circuit. No, no, When did you start doing stand-up? Uh, I started when I was 41, so I've never been a, a spring chicken. Um... And even when I started, I didn't realise that it was quite unusual for someone of 41 to start doing stand-up comedy. But I think that I've always been able and fancied doing stand-up comedy, but I'd been doing other things at the time. And and somehow my beginnings of uh, doing stand-up comedy were at the same time as stand-up comedy started to blossom as an industry. And because I had children, was an older person... And, and, and working class, everything I do, you, you have to kind of earn a living doing. So I, um, I seized the moment. So um, it was a case of, I mean, we, I've had a couple of communities that say, take, oh, it took me four or five years to build up professionally and to do it. But for you, you would have had to hit the ground running on Well, I did, yeah. And I think within a year, actually, I was earning a living and, and, uh, and able to pay my... Uh, in fact, there was a period, there was a, there was a moment when I was signing on. I was signing on before I... Uh, did stand up and there was a moment where I had to go and say look I'm going to have to stop signing because I'd been on the television and I thought well I think I've I think I'm taking liberties here so it was great it was a great feeling to go in to to the job centre and say 
I don't need you anymore. That's that's a fantastic feeling. That is. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's now full time. Would Certainly. you still say you're working class? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I I think uh, I don't earn that much money to have changed my uh, my uh, my living circumstances. I would have thought. Um, uh, I'm politically, I'm working class, you know, uh, and um, I, I still, you know, have a bacon sandwich without a plate, and still call the lounge the front room, and you know, all those giveaway things, really. But I think um, a lot of the other comedians uh, like to challenge me on that notion of me being working class because also I'm educated, I have a political consciousness, etc. But I think that's more to do with people's stereotype that working class people have to be thick and 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 uh, uncultured, which is not the case. Have, having lived the life that you have, mm-hmm. do you think that you have an advantage over somebody that's just falling into comedy, you know, in the first two, three years of university, they went from school to university, and they, I can do stand-up now, and they, they build a career when uh, they're about 19 uh, or 20? Possibly. I think uh, certainly in terms of being a sort of social realist kind of comedian, I have an advantage. But there's lots of other kinds of comedy, you know, surrealists and absurdists and character acts which I think would not it would not give me an advantage over those those kind of guys. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. That? So uh, I think uh, yeah, it, it's it's possibly has given me an advantage. Certainly in ter- in terms of um, getting the act up and running early on. But now what's happened, funnily enough, is I think uh, I may have been a victim by that early success. In that, if you get your act working very soon. Um, and you don't have to go through some of those growing pains that other people have gone through. You go through them eventually because you think, okay, maybe this isn't the kind of act I want to be doing, you know. And I think this show is part of those growing pains, um, trying to do something different with the act, trying to be a little bit more meaningful and relevant, maybe, you know, and worthy even. What do you think you'd be doing if you weren't doing stand-up now? Um, I think, well, you know, a lot of people say to me, oh, you'd be robbing banks or you'd be, you know, uh, but that would never have happened. I do come from a, um, a criminal background as far as association with my family, but I was never, uh, I was always the kid that went to college. I was the Michael Colleone out of The Godfather. You know, I was the, the college guy, the artistic guy. So um, I think possibly I would have been a lecturer at university uh, doing something like cultural studies or or, or, or some such. But still of, standing up, talking and interacting, yeah, sure. and almost yeah. educating in a sense. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think that's that's right. In fact, that might be one of my faults as a stand-up comedian, that I, I forget to be funny sometimes and, um, and want to uh, teach people stuff, you know. Jeff, that is wonderful. Just remind us again where the show is. Okay, the show is at The Stand 2, which is York Place, I believe. And it's on at 4.20. It's called Eco Warrior. And it's really a show that charts my struggle and attempt to live ethically in response to my fears about global warming. Jeff, thanks for your time. Thank you very much indeed. Jeff Innocent there from his Edinburgh Fringe show back in 2006. As mentioned at the top of this show, he's still on the comedy circuit. He's running coaching sessions. He's popping up in the clubs as DJ Grandada. And you can find out his latest gigs at his website, jeffinnocent.com, or over on Twitter, 
at Jeff Innocent. We'll have links to those as always back on our website, edinburghfringe.thepodcastcorner.com. You can get in touch with me directly. We've got a contact page on the website. You can uh, find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Ewan. And if you're looking for email, ewan at ewanspence.co.uk will reach me as well. As for this podcast, well, you will find it in all your favourite apps or directories. And like any good friend show, would you please consider leaving me a star rating? Uh, one through five for most of the apps. It's probably just below the bit marked playing now so just look down press in you know press the four star but make it feel like you're pressing a five star and all will be well more from the edinburgh french archive next week stay safe i'll catch you then ta for now you've been listening to the edinburgh fringe show hosted by you and Spence. Produced by The Podcast Corner. Listen to more from The Fringe at edinburghfringe.thepodcastcorner.com. Listener.